I came this morning to church early and spent some time with God and reading my notes. And I have to say I was a little down. Just one of those things Pastor Ken can relate to those times when we're just, just a little down. But God is so good. A little girl came up to me this morning, very little, and she gave me a dime. And she said, this is for you. And she gave me a hug. I tell you, it made my whole week. It's just so special when a family relates to each other, even little ones, little girls. And so I was going to put this in the offering, but I'm not going to. I'm keeping this one. And I'm going to put it and tape it to my computer just to remind myself that God is good. We're continuing our, our series this morning in the one another's of the scripture. I believe that I've shared with you that, I, that these 12 weeks that we will do, I will be continuing next week with honor one another and then Pastor Ken is going to have a couple of weeks at sharing some of the other one another's with you. But I'm convinced if we really begin to apply these principles to our life, our existence as a church will change. Not so much that it will change us, but it will change those who come into our midst as they see us. There's a story told by Earl C. Weller of two best friends. Though Jim was a little younger than Philip and often assumed the role of leader, they did everything together. They went to high school together, they went to college together, and after college, they both decided to join the Marines. By a unique, unique series of circumstances, they were sent to Germany together where they fought side by side in one of our history's ugliest wars. Story goes on to say that one sweltering day during a fierce battle amid heavy gunfire, bombing, and close quarter combat, they were given the command to retreat. As the men were running back, Jim noticed that Philip had not returned with the others. Panic gripped his heart. Jim knew if Philip didn't come back in the next minute or two, then he wouldn't come back at all. Jim went and begged his commanding officer to let him go after his friend, but the officer forbade him, saying it would be a suicide mission. Risking his own life, though, Jim disobeyed and went running after Philip. His heart was pounding, the story says. He ran into the gunfire, calling out, Philip, Philip. A short time later, his platoon saw him hobbling across the field, carrying a limp body in his arms. Jim's commanding officer reprimanded him, shouting that it was a foolish waste of time and a tremendous risk to the platoon. Your friend is dead, he added, and there's nothing you could do. No, sir, Jim replied. I got there just in time. Before he did, before he died, his last words were, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. 
There's two friends that were devoted to one another. They were so interconnected that we're clearly devoted to one another. Last week, we talked about the body analogy. Paul uses the body analogy. And it's, it shows us that we are members one of another. And I gave you that, that little jigsaw puzzle. And it said, and, uh, until we connect those jig pu jigsaw puzzles together, no one will ever see the real picture. And until we as believers in Christ fit ourselves together like a jigsaw puzzle, the community and those around us will never see the picture of Jesus like we want him to see. And so the body analogy was given by Paul last week. Portrays Christians as members one of another, which was last week's lesson. This is to say that each believer, no matter what their limits are, we're connected together, we're functioning as a body of Christ. Well, Paul takes that concept now and turns it in a new direction, and this morning he uses the analogy of the family. The concept of the family adds a dimension to ourselves of warmth, tenderness, concern. And when, when Paul uses the family analogy, he, uses, he was illustrating the emotional part, the emotional aspects of relational Christianity. Our passage of Scripture this morning, Romans 12, chapter, or Romans 12 verse 10, says that we are to be devoted one to another in brotherly love. He uses the family now. Last week he used the body to show that no part of the body could be successful. The whole body could never be successful unless we were members one of another. Now he says, I want you to learn and I want you to realize that you are family. And in family you're to be devoted one to another. The brotherly love refers that love, the love that exists between brothers and sisters within a family unit. Applied to the church, it refers to the love Christians should have for other Christians as we're all a family. We're the family of God. Ephesians 3.14, I want to read that for you. I believe I also have it on overhead. Maybe, maybe not. I do. Ephesians in the New Living Translation says... When I think of the wisdom and scope of, of his, God's plan, I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth. Let me read it for you from the New, the New American Standard Version. For this reason, I bow my knees before God the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to his riches, his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. Paul is saying that we are one family. The, the word brother or brothers is used in the New Testament between 200 and 230 times. The New Testament used the concept of being family over 200 times, not just by Paul, but by Luke, James, John, and others. The family is important. The word brotherly literally means from the same womb. It means we have all been born again. We have come, whoops, whoops. We have come from the womb of God, so to speak. 
We are born again in the Spirit. The old life has passed away, new life has begun. And so we, in this new life, God sees all of us as family. He sees all of us as brothers and sisters. Ephesians, in love he predestined us. If you, you'll notice this morning, we made a Lent decision, Pastor Ken and I, in our staff meeting this week, that we weren't going to show the scriptures when we had scripture reading this morning, or any morning through Lent. Why? Because we want you to fall in love with this. We need you to fall in love with this. If there's anything that has happened to me in God giving me these, these time with you, he has given me a love for this book far deeper than I ever had before. Ten years in the wilderness taught me something. This is life. This is life indeed. And so we're not going to show you the scriptures. We're going to ask you to bring life with you. Why, you say? Why, pastor? You know why? Because you can underline something. You can write a little note when God speaks to you. When God's Holy Spirit enlightens your heart, you can make a little note. And then when times get difficult in your life and you're kind of flowing through your body, oh, yes, that little note. It comes to life for you. That's why we believe. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kindness of his will. We have been adopted. You know the most fascinating part of that for me? God gave up his one and only true son to adopt you and me. He gave his one and only true son to adopt you and me into his kingdom. I'm sure that there are many parents in here How many of you would give up your son or daughter to adopt another person? To replace them? I see you all going. But you understand that that was what God has done for us. He gave up his son that we might be adopted. That we might be in the family. I don't know about you, but that quickens my heart. That quickens my heart. Be devoted to one another and brotherly loves. Love leads me to think of, you're probably going to get used to me. I don't think Pastor Gary can count above three. Because I always have three things. And I have three this morning for you. Three words. Before I do that, John MacArthur said this about being devoted one to another. To be devoted to Christians with a family sort of love, not based on person, personal attraction or desirability, this quality is the primary way the world can recognize followers of Christ. When we are devoted to one another, not because we're attracted to each other, not because we even desire each other, but because we do it by faith and we begin to move in that, that's how people will know. Three words, decision, determination, and demonstration. Decision, determination, oh. decision. We need to take it seriously. 
Being devoted one to another does not come naturally. It's a decision. God made a decision in heaven before he said there, let there be light, and he made a decision to create you and me. He decided to do it. And I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad he decided. But he also decided to adopt us. God could have said from heaven, let them swim or sink on their own. But he chose and he made a decision. And if we're going to be devoted one to another, we need to make a decision. We need to decide to do it. We need to take it seriously. We also need to know that it doesn't happen naturally. Here are five verses that if you have your Bibles, you could underline them, or you could take them on your scribbly note, and I encourage you to go home and read them. But I want to read one for you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, and 10. Now as to the love of the brethren. You have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. But we urge you, but we urge you to excel still more and to make it your ambition. We urge you to, set, to do it more and more with each other, brothers and sisters. We do it, we love it, but God is saying, make it your ambition to be devoted one to another. Make it your ambition to help one another in the family. It's so vitally important if we are going to, if we are going to take it seriously. Make it our ambition. Get up in the morning I'm going to church today. I'm going to see somebody I don't see all the time, and I'm going to go over, and I'm going to give them a hug, or I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to tell them I love them. I'm going to say, is there any way? can I pray for you today? We need to be taking the ambition to do it more and more. And as we do, we will grow in Christ. The passage of Scripture that, that Faye read this morning said, work out your salvation Work out your salvation. This is part of working out our salvation. The practical steps to being a believer. Second word is, is determination. How do we do that? We evaluate our attitudes towards one another. Evaluate your attitude and actions towards each other. To what extent do you show emotion toward each fellow Christian. Even though I became emotional this morning, I, that's hard for me to do. Whenever I feel emotion welling up in me, I, I start to bite down on my tongue and clinch my fist because I'm a man. We don't do that. And us hellards are bad. Except one. We have one brother who's really good at it. The rest of us aren't so good. but we need to evaluate each other. Don't concern yourself. 
Don't concern yourself with what others are doing in the area of being devoted to one another. Don't look at them. God would say, look at yourself. Evaluate your attitude. We need to be determined to be devoted one to another. And we need not to look at others. I believe the health of the family atmosphere at Thornhill begins with one single person, you. Often we think it should begin with someone else around me. No, it begins with you and no one else. And if you are devoted to somebody, it catches fire like a forest fire because devotion is not taught, it is caught. And when we're devoted one to another, when you begin to be devoted to one person genuinely, they begin to be devoted to somebody genuinely, and they begin to be devoted to someone genuinely, and pretty soon we're devoted one to another. This is which God wants us to be. Work out your salvation. Do so more and more, as the scriptures say. Do so more and more. Make it an ambition. Finally, the word demonstration. Demonstration. I just have one thing under here. Act immediately. Well, Pastor, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. I'm uncomfortable with that kind of thing. I say to you, you haven't grabbed a hold of the power that Jesus Christ, by his spirit, has within you. How many believe that this book is the absolute truth? I mean, absolutely. There's two hands back there. I thought she was praising the Lord. We believe this, don't we? Well, this book is the book that says, be devoted one to another. This book says it, not Pastor Gary, not Pastor Ken, not Pastor Freddie. This book says it. God says it. Now, there's a lot of things that, that we kind of try not to do that the Bible says. We have the Old Testament Ten Commandments. How many can recite the Ten Commandments? I saw one hand just about go up there. What? But we know them in our heart, and we try to live them. Well, this is just as important New Testament commandment as the Old Testament commandment, to be devoted one to another. And we need to start immediately, not tomorrow, not next week. So I want to tell you something. I'm going I'm to give you an exam today. You say, uh-oh. I don't like Pastor Gary when he gets into that mode. Those evangelists, man, I don't know about those guys. I'm going to monitor you when you go out in the foyer. I'm going to see if you just go to a stranger, someone that you don't normally hang with, someone you normally don't gather with in the foyer, somebody different, and just see the communication that goes on.
be devoted one to another and begin now. I have an illustration that I'm going to close with. I left my cell phone at home this morning and I thought life had come to an end because I had this illustration forwarded to me by text yesterday. And it touched my heart so much. I don't know how many times I read it. And so I might not know it word for word, but I think I have the essence of it. There were several businessmen that were just heading home from a conference, and they were a bit late for their airplane. And so they rushed through the air terminal, trying to get to the gate where their plane took off, and on their, in their haste and on their movement of going through the ter terminal, they knocked over a table of fruit, which a little girl had been sitting behind. And the fruit spilled all over the floor of the airport. And they kept running, and they went right to their gate, and they rushed onto the plane just in time before they started to close the doors. And one of the gentlemen had a quickening in his spirit. I don't know whether this gentleman was Christian or not. I'm hoping he was. But he had a quickening in his spirit, and he realized, and he had the image of this little girl, and the fruit spilt all over the airport. And he said to his friends, you go on ahead, I'm going to catch a later flight. And he got back off the plane, and he went to this little girl, and he could see her on the ground groping for the fruit. What he didn't realize was that that little girl was blind. And that was a fruit stand that she had at the airport that she used to recover resources. And so he immediately got down on his hands and knees and began to pick the fruit up and put it back on the table. And the spoiled fruit he would put aside. That got bruised or damaged in the spill. And he put the fruit back on the table, and then he looked at the pile of spoiled fruit, and he gave the little girl a $50 bill. And he said, this is for the fruit that got spoiled. This blind little girl looked up and couldn't see anything, but she had one question. She said, are you Jesus? And he said, no. Oh, she said, because... I prayed that Jesus was coming to help, would come and help me, and you came. Are you Jesus? That's what this means, folks. That's what this means. That's what this bracelet means. Becoming the visible Jesus, doing the things of Jesus. There's a blind world out there. This little girl was blind. We have blind all around us when we go outside these walls. They're blind spiritually. And they're tired of hearing about Jesus. They want to see Jesus. And if we apply these one another's to each other, I'm sorry for my passion, but I, I can't hold back my passion. And if we do these one another's for, that's what this bracelet's all about. I had a wonderful discussion last week with a young man. I've only talked with him a couple of times since I came to church, but I... I, I admire him and the two conversations we had. And he was a little concerned about us wearing a bracelet with becoming the visible Jesus on it. He says, because when we become Christians, we are, the Bible says, we're the image of the living God. I said, you're absolutely right. When Jesus came into my life, the eternal part of me became the living Christ. 
But you know, I need to get it out of that eternal part into the fleshly part and into the world. So I don't believe we're going to become Jesus. Not for one second, not for one minute. But I believe when we look at this, we can say, how am I being Jesus to those around me? How am I being Jesus when I walk outside of these walls? And you know, it starts here in the family. As we become members one of another and devoted one to another. It's one of these sermons I gave today that I think I was all over my notes and didn't know where I was. That's probably okay. We're going to have our song this morning, our closing hymn. And as we do, I want you to think, as horse leads us, I want you to think about where you are in the family of God. The song, I believe, is a song that is meant to draw us closer to God. And when we do the things of the Bible, when we apply them to our life, we are moving closer to God.